Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. If you're left, you just ain't right. It is May the 29th of 2023. Man, it's almost the middle of the year. Hard to believe, my friends. Hard to believe. Time flies. And got a few things to talk about today. I hope you heard uh, last night I did a Memorial Day episode, a little... uh, and a bit on, on what's special about soldiering and the sacrifice and selflessness of soldiers. But today, we have some things to talk about. There's a, uh, from ABC News, uh, Mesa, Arizona Police Department, they have arrested a man named Aaron Byers. He has been arrested in connection with five separate shootings in the Phoenix area, the Phoenix metro area, that left four people dead and a woman wounded. So this would, in any normal scenario, be a mass shooting, wouldn't it? Or don't they say that the the gun violence archive, the standard they use, which is atrocious and asinine and really incorrect, uh, but Mesa police said 20-year-old Iron Byers was taken into custody Sunday on suspicion of four counts of first-degree murder and one count of attempted first-degree murder. Uh, a motive for the shootings wasn't clear. Uh, police said Byers took responsibility for the shootings, told officers where they could find the clothes and the gun used in the crimes. So he's turned himself in. He's confessed, basically. Uh, this is where the wheels of justice will should turn swiftly and instead they will come to a stop what should happen once he confessed go before a judge you confess sign here uh could you take the uh the gentleman who confessed out back put a bullet in his head throw him in a in a grave cover it up no marker no nothing actually leave a marker put a marker of why he was executed what he did, and have a clever saying at the end, like, thus always to murderous bastards. Uh, But anyway, you're not going to hear a lot about this, quote, mass shooting. Because it does something, there's something wrong with the story that doesn't quite fit the narrative. Because we're all about narratives today. Everything's narratives. If If a media story... Or if a news story doesn't doesn't hit the right uh, right area of the narrative, it's not really going to be reported. And this is a case where a black man, a young black man, only twenty years old, uh, executed four people. Tried to execute a fifth. Uh, I use the term executed. I don't know if that's exactly what he did. I know he murdered four people and tried to murder a fifth one. And don't expect a lot about this story on the news, my friends, because there's no way to, the shooter wasn't a white guy, didn't use an AR-15, and there's no way to tie it to racism somehow, so the media doesn't care. Just thought I'd remind you of what a lousy, lousy job our mass media does. Now let's see what else we got over here, folks. Since we're talking about murderers, Let's talk about a piece at slowfacts.wordpress.com, Rob Morse, his blog. The title is How We Stopped 
mass murderers time after time. He begins, real life isn't like the movies. Bad guys don't walk around with soundtrack thumping with every step. Movie makers want to thrill us, but saving lives in real life is a lot more ordinary than that. Because it doesn't sell tickets or sell soap, the news media isn't interested in how our neighbors stopped mass murderers about once a month for the last eight years. For those who don't want to do the math, once a month, 12 months in a year, that's 12, eight years, eight times 12, 96. So 96 straight months, or 96 months total, rather. Ordinary people like us, he writes, would do it even more often if politicians got out of our way, especially you Democrats, with the help of some very weak, need, uh, gutless Republicans. Times have changed. Today we live in a media-driven culture. Mass murderers feel like failures and they want to take revenge on society. These narcissists know that the mainstream media will give them the multi-million dollar publicity campaign if they kill enough innocent people. The murderers revel in the thought of being famous even if they are not alive to enjoy the infamy. That feeling of anticipation is one reason the mass murderers spend years in planning in the planning stage. Those feelings of resentment and anticipation explain why these murderers write such lengthy manifestos and diaries. That explains a lot about these murderers. Luckily for us, we can use their weakness against them. Mass murderers already feel like a failure. They don't want to experience more failure when they come to kill. That's an important point. Because they're not going just to kill in blind rage. They planned it. They've wrote a manifesto or more more than one manifesto. They've been building up to this for a long time. The one thing they do not want to do is fail. Meaning, if they're stopped before they ever, ever get a chance to get going, they would be a failure. In their twisted, perversely ugly minds. That explains why they listen closely, listen closely, especially you gun control people who are listening. Thank you for listening. Glad you're here. But listen. That explains why they seldom attack a group of armed policemen. Huh, it's funny how that works. Or attack an NRA convention where about half the adults are armed. That never happens. I wonder why. The media won't give mass murderers recognition they want when they are stopped and killed so quickly. Hell, they probably won't even report it. Because, again, the gun control narrative has to be served. At first, we weren't sure if armed citizens were a workable solution. Because the news media does not cover it. That's why no one knows about it. You know, if I was a senator, a, a congressman, I would, I would do everything I could to reach out to my Republican colleagues because the Democrats won't do it and get as many people in a day to testify about their stories of self-defense. And I would have hearings and to do everything I could to get it on media. Fox might still cover it. The rest of them won't. The rest of them would just poke fun at it instead of covering it. I think that'd be a wonderful tonic for a lot of our problems. If we actually told these stories, I don't know why Republican congressmen haven't figured this out. Republican governors haven't figured this out yet. 
The left is our masters at getting their stories, their narratives on air. We're not. We need to fix that. Uh, Post haste, as they say. It was hard to find cases where the attempted mass murders were stopped by ordinary citizens who happened to be nearby. Oddly enough, the mass murderers did our research for us, learning from the mass murderers themselves. These hateful murderers are obsessed. Mass murderers study the murderers who came before them. They learn where to stage their attacks. Their journals show that they deliberately listen, deliberately chose to attack places where the victims were disarmed by law. Because law-abiding citizens tend to obey laws even if they don't believe in them. So a mass murderer is going to walk into a shooting gallery and most people who are law-abiding aren't going to be carrying a gun. So there's no resistance. It's a killing field. That's what they want. They may be crazy, but they're not stupid. And again, those laws aid them, and they use those laws. Predators, evil people, will use every advantage they can gain. And our legislators need to stop giving them more advantages, and so does the media. That's another talk for another time. Fortunately for all of us, the mass murderers sometimes fail in their victim selection process, and there was an armed defender among their intended victims. Now, understand, here's the stat. 99 of 100 mass murders occur in a what zone? Gun-free zone. Well, it was gun-free, But how'd the bad guy have a gun? Because they don't give a rat's you-know-what about laws or rules or morals or decency or anything else. The power of ordinary defenders. The mass murderer will kill about 14 people if the victims have to wait for police to arrive. Those dynamics change dramatically if there is an armed defender nearby. The scenario with an armed defender usually, Rob Morse writes, goes like this. There are many more ear witnesses than eyewitnesses. Our first sign of a problem is an unusual sound, something like a gunshot, maybe a scream. The defender raises his head and starts to gather more information. The defender tries to confirm what he heard and to locate the source of the attack. The defender again hears an unusual sound. Now there are more people running away that give a clue to the attacker's location. Sometimes the defender can see the attacker immediately, and sometimes the defender has to move to get a better view. The defender might not believe his eyes and ears and waits until he sees the attacker shoot at someone again. That evidence confirms the defender's suspicion, and the defender shoots back. The murderers don't plan for the victims to shoot back. The murderer usually commits suicide when he faces opposition. Sometimes the attacker runs or is shot and killed by the defender. Now again, understand, this happens. And the media never says a damn thing. I can refer back to Fort Smith, Arkansas. The apartment building guy went in with an AR-15, shot and killed one lady and was demanding everyone get out of their apartments. They all had had sealed themselves up. They'd locked the doors. They weren't coming out. Guy in apartment behind him, I believe is how it went, 
heard what was going on, looked out, saw this nutcase. He reached over, got his hunting rifle out, and put an end to it. God bless him. He's a hero. He saved lives. The media, silent. No 24-hour coverage. Why? Isn't this a mass shooting that will stop? Why isn't it as important as a mass shooting that wasn't stopped? Ah, the narrative. Same thing in the small town of West Virginia. Guy was driving crazy in a neighborhood. Uh, They were having a big party. People said, hey, man, can you not drive that way? This nutcase came back with an AR-15, started driving around spraying bullets at people. You know what stopped him? A woman with a concealed carry permit who ended him. What if that woman was not there? We'd have another mass shooting. Again, the media didn't report this. But had that woman not been there, not put that evil bastard down, you would have heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. Because the media has an agenda. Because don't don't tell me that the media doesn't realize that reporting a mass shooting being stopped by an armed citizen, that'll get ratings too. That'll get eyeballs to the the, uh, boob tube. But they don't want to do that because it's got to do uh, do well for the narrative. Uh, Rob Morris continues, when an ordinary citizen acts as an armed defender, the murderer shoots about four people. About half of them die from their wounds. The defender's advantage. This describes what happens, but it doesn't fully explain it. It is true that the murderers have an advantage since they choose a time and place of their attack. The defenders have advantages too. The murderers draw attention to themselves and people run from them when he is in the process of shooting. The murderer is almost blind to everything else except selected victims. Saying the murderer is blind sounds far-fetched, so please test this for yourself. Look at everything in the room with you. If you can, point your finger at the particular object. When you do, you are no longer aware of what is happening around you. You certainly are not aware of what is happening to the sides or what is happening behind you. As we move through the world, we focus our intention on the things, our attention on the things that are important, but we are blind to almost everything else that is happening around us. Now, please go read this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, but some very important points are made. And I'm not going to tell you that everyone with with a concealed carry permit is some expert is going to take out a mass shooter. But I'm also not going to tell you that a mass shooter is some highly trained, uh, you know, Mossad or Navy SEAL gone wrong. They have their flaws. They're mortal too. And someone with training, with the right mindset, can take them out. Uh, But even the threat, even knowing that people carry guns there would likely dissuade the uh, shooter in Nashville. One of the part targets she did not pick to attack, she picked because there was too much security. They may be crazy, they're not stupid. Go read this whole thing by uh, at slowfacts.wordpress.com, Rob Morse. Don't believe the media's lies. If you carry a gun, uh, then you know what? Go get some training in in, uh, active shooter training. Uh, Get some people you trust. Ask them. 
uh, the gun range or the gun store where you bought the guns, probably a good place to ask. Uh, review the people online. Make sure they're not some nutcase, but they're legitimate. They're the real deal. And look into that, and you might save some lives. And the media won't care, but a lot of people living on that day, they will care. Now, let's get these people testifying, Republicans. Let's do our damn job like we have some damn sense. Democrats can haul person after person up on Congress and have them testify about this, that, and the other thing. We can do the same thing. Again, let's be smart, my friends. Please. Uh, Let me see what else we got here. Now, the other McCain has a story here. And the, the headline caught my eye. A Chicago group hired gangsters to be, quote, peacekeepers. And it's working out about the way you might expect. Uh, Arnie Duncan, you might remember him. For, he was the education secretary for Slick Willie, I believe. Or was it Obama? No, it was Obama. I'm sorry. Sorry, Slick Willie. Go ahead back to the El Camino with the, with the AstroTurf in it. Um, Arnie Duncan tweeted this. Let's keep investing in the people and the blocks that suffer the most because of war zone levels of violence on the south and west sides of our city. That's Chicago. No one deserves peace more, wants it more than those living without it. And there's a picture uh, of a person with a sign saying, raise our sons, not guns. You know what? That's a good sentiment. I don't think gangbangers and thugs and criminals are going to pay any attention to that sign. Hell, half of them probably can't read it. But your heart may be in the right place, but let's see what this program was about. Hiring gangsters to be peacekeepers. Let's see. I have my doubts. Uh, Robert Stacey McCain writes, When President Obama got elected and America's public schools suddenly became excellent. Do you remember that? No, you don't remember it because it never happened. The guy Obama appointed a secretary of education, again, Arnie Duncan, no donuts, uh, is a Harvard-educated liberal, which means he's a a fool and an idiot with zero common sense, uh, who had previously been appointed by the Daily Machine as chief executive officer of Chicago Public Schools, where he worked no miracles, and neither did he do anything during the eight-year tenure as Secretary of Education that anyone remembers as praiseworthy. He collected that check, though. In 2016, with money from Steve Jobs' widow, Duncan started a group called Chicago CRED. The CRED stands for Create Real Economic Destiny. You know what I see? I don't see cred when I read create real economic destiny and no liberals attached to it. I see scam and pay the liberal activists a lot of money. That's what I see. Duncan has said that Chicago cred uh, proceeds from the belief that the surest way to stop gun violence is engaging directly with those more at risk of shooting or being shot and giving them a reason to put down their guns again. Well-intended, perhaps. Foolish, almost definitely. Misguided, yes. Uh, Said another way, we believe that the individuals, this is from Arnie Duncan, we work with are not the problem. 
they are the solution. So in other words, the thugs shooting people, they're not the problem. They're the solution. If you can work a miracle and change them as a person, maybe. Uh, they are the only ones with the experience, relationships, and courage necessary to do the difficult, dangerous work of reaching out to friends, neighbors, and family members and getting them to also stop shooting. Our comprehensive approach includes street outreach, counseling, life coaching, education, and employment. Because all thugs and gangbangers really want is a job, like at a 7-Eleven or something, pay them 8 bucks an hour, 9 10 bucks an hour. That's all they really want. Many of our outreach workers and life coaches are slightly older versions of the people caught up in gun violence, so they have their trust and respect. We also give participants a modest paycheck, starting at about $125 per week and rising to about $225 per week over the course of our 12- to 24-month program as long as they stay involved attend regularly and advance through the program. Our goal is to help them transition into the legal economy. So in other words, like everything else, liberal, throw money at it, throw taxpayer dollars at it. Don't fix the thing, probably make it worse. It'll turn out being a waste of time scam, but you can pat yourself on the back furiously after and say, look what we accomplished. It was a dream and we made it come true. So they're paying people not to shoot each other, other McCain notes. And hey, it's a comprehensive approach. All oh, that word comprehensive. Which explains the excellent results. And there's a chart here and it shows that, yeah, not working. Chicago's 2022 homicide rate was 25.8 per 100,000 people. More than twice as high as Los Angeles, which is 9.9, five times higher than New York City, which is 5.1. About the about the best you can say for Chicago, it is not as violent as Baltimore, Detroit, or Memphis. But does that really qualify as success? If Arnie Duncan was just spending Lauren Jacob uh, Lauren Jobs billions on this comprehensive approach, it would be no more than a laughable folly. But, but. Because Illinois is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Democratic Party, the taxpayers, yes, the taxpayers are now footing the bill for Chicago Cred's, quote, violence prevention operation. And how, you ponder, my friends, how is it working out? Um, then there's a tweet by Arnie Duncan, who's a professional idiot. Don't try being this stupid at home by yourself. Arnie Duncan tweeted out, one of our participants was killed today as he left one of our sites. He had just written about how much achieving his high school diploma would mean to him and his family. Devastated doesn't describe what we are feeling. Please keep his family and our Chicago cred family member in your prayers. Uh, this is a news story from WLS in Chicago. A man who worked to stop gun violence was killed Wednesday in a shooting. Outside a community outreach center, uh, Chicago police said they are looking for two people who are involved. Uh, 28-year-old Ronnie Roper was in a south side parking lot about 12.16 p.m. when two people walked up and shot him in the head. 
The shooting occurred just outside Chicago Cred's Outreach Center in the Rose in the Roseland neighborhood. The victim was a member of that group that works to stop gun violence and to be a target, apparently. It has been devastating, said Cred site manager Nicole Mohammed. The staff is in shock and traumatized. The family is traumatized. Cred said Roper was on track to get his high school diploma later this year. He was very excited about it making sure he brought that into fruition for his family and because he had individuals that were that were uh, team him. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. Uh, the group was founded by U.S. former U.S. Secretary of Education, Arnie Duncan. Duncan had just left the center minutes before the shooting. Duncan released a statement saying, we lost to gun violence, a man who had been with our program. Stop right there. You didn't lose him to gun violence. He lost him to a goddamn criminal piece of trash thug, Arnie Duncan. That they used a gun doesn't really matter. Wouldn't have mattered if they'd have given him a, sh- a shot of, uh, I don't know, overdose of fentanyl or heroin and killed him. It wouldn't matter if they strangled him or beat him to death or stabbed him to death or used a large rock. No, they killed him because they were thugs. You don't stop thugs by dealing with them as if they are good people. This young man lost his life to a foolish ideal, the liberal ideal that guns are the problem. People are not the problem. Decency and morals and valuing life aren't the problem. It's always the guns for fools like Arnie Duncan. And as the other McCain notes, well, he has this to say, way to go, Harvard-educated genius. Maybe you can find the guys who shot Ronnie Roper in the head and pay them not to shoot anyone else. Because that's the comprehensive approach, am I right? Undeterred by this incident, Chicago Cred had big plans for making the city safe this Memorial Day weekend. Here's a message from Governor J.B. Pritzker. Uh, I believe he has the fattest face of any governor and the least brains. Hold on, I can't forget about Gavin Newsom, Governor Hairgel, or Mark Safornia. He does have the fattest face, though. Uh, governor Pritzker, Pritzker treat, tweeted this week in Chicago and should expect to see yellow-vested peacekeepers in the streets. Yeah, that's going to do a lot of good. As part of the state's anti-violence strategy with a community-focused approach, these outreach workers will help de-escalate and keep our neighborhoods safe. And if you believe that, I've got some beautiful beachfront property in New Mexico for you. It's on the Pacific or Atlantic Ocean. Take your pick. Uh, you see... This is what the left does every time. They don't understand you have to punish bad people. You have to arrest them, try them, convict them, and incarcerate them for a damn long time. That way they will not harm anybody else because their ass will be in a prison cell. How hard is this to figure out? Apparently too hard for the left, my friends. Uh, Let me see. This from the news story. If there's unrest downtown or mass shootings elsewhere in Chicago, this Memorial Memorial Day holiday, often among the year's most violent weekends, a special team of 30 peacekeepers wearing yellow vests 
will be mobilized to help calm things down. State officials said Tuesday, Governor J.B. Pritzker authorized funding for the anti-violence strategy in 2021 when he signed the uh, Reimagine Public Safety Act, creating the State Office of Firearm Violence Prevention. More than 500 people have been hired as peacekeepers, trained to de-escalate conflicts in 102, quote, hotspots in 14 Chicago communities. The money for the program in the current budget year is $11 million. It's set to increase to $30 million in the next year. In addition to that larger programs, the state is spending $750,000 on a crisis prevention and response unit of at least 30 specially trained peacekeepers. That unit is available 24 hours a day every week to respond to shootings in Chicago and will be active during the Memorial Day weekend. Well, that's wonderful. Just wonderful. And the story goes on and on and on and on and on. And it winds up here. A Chicago peacekeeper named Oscar Montez. Here's the news story. A Chicago man wearing a neon yellow peacekeeper's vest. Oh, it's a peacekeeper with a yellow vest. It's okay, kids. We're going to be safe. Helped a group of people beat and rob a motorist in Little Village on Friday night. That's according to a Chicago Police Department report. The allegations come after city and state officials lauded the use of peacekeepers as a tool they would deploy over the Memorial Day weekend to tamp down violence across the city or to help increase it, whichever. Uh, The trouble being Oscar Montez is 31, held without bail. Uh, charges of robbery, aggravated battery, and unlawful vehicle, vehicular invasion Sunday afternoon. The trouble began around 10.55 p.m. Chicago police officers saw a large group fighting near 23rd Place and uh, Westonow. All the fun of Chicago. The fun of those liberal programs that never quite work out like they're supposed to. Amazing, isn't it? So while this is going on, the police get that taken care of. Then, almost immediately following, a 37-year-old man is pulled from his vehicle by multiple offenders, including one wearing a neon vest. A Chicago police spokesperson says Saturday, during Montez's bail hearing, prosecutor Charles Gulazuski said six or seven men joined Montez in pulling the victim from the driver's seat. The group punched him, kicked him while he was on the ground. Montez, being the peacekeeper, of course, took the victim's phone (laughs) and called for other peacekeepers. No. Called for an end to this madness. No. He took the man's phone and beat the man with it because he's a peacekeeper. It was a peaceful beating, I'm sure. Uh, Golazuski alleged another man took the victim's wallet before everyone scattered as Chicago cops returned to the scene. The peacekeepers. All those great, 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 great peacekeeping peacekeepers. How ridiculous is the left in their approach to fighting crime, violent crime? Anything except locking people the hell up when they're convicted. Anything except keeping them literally off the streets and away from innocent people. Amazing. 
Now, the final story, my friends, and I went a little over time. I'm sorry. But I've got a shot. This this is shocking news from the College Fix. Uh, a University of Michigan Botanical Garden has taken a kind of an odd step. They have hired a new manager. Now, that's not a wild step. I mean, botanical gardens, I'm sure, need managers. They should know about botany and stuff like that, gardening, flowers. Um, but they've hired a DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Manager. Uh, and they are hosting training uh, called, this new training is called Confronting Racism, again, at a botanical garden. What are they going to do? Threaten to cut the flowers up and rip them out of the ground if they don't uh, conform to DEI and confront racism properly? I don't know. The University of Michigan's Mathai Botanical Gardens and Nichols Arboretorium. God, I can't talk. (sighs) I'm sorry. Arboretum is committed to diversity. Ah, diversity is good. Drink it in, my friends. But not simply the diversity of the plants and animals that call the facility home. Oh, no. It also employs a DEI manager and actively works to combat racism within its 700 acres of gardens and natural preserves to make up for its participation in systemic injustices. 700 acres of gardens. Gardens are made up of plants. So are these plants racist against each other? Are they committing some evil atrocity like uh, misgendering somebody? Uh, Not recognizing someone's pronouns or something? (sighs) Gardens. Now they're coming for the gardens. Unbelievable. Efforts have included unconscious bias trainings. Does that mean you have to be asleep and they teach you how to not be, uh, not commit biases in your sleep? It says unconscious bias trainings. And Lord knows training like that would probably put most people to sleep rather quickly. Uh, they have live stream DEI events. Food justice. <laughs> Food justice. Oh, good Lord. Food justice. God help us. Uh, Food justice and seed rematriation programs. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? Uh, We're going to take these seeds and we're going to do some uh, rematriating. You kids better cover your eyes. This is for adults only. (laughs) X-rated. Uh, and DEI workshops covering topics like confronting racism, cross-cultural difference, and bystander intervention, according to university memos from 2020 and 2022. In September of 2021, the Botanical Gardens and Nichols Arboretum hired a full-time DEI manager, Ivana Lopez Espinosa. For close to $60,000 a year, 
really 60 grand a year to confront racism in a bunch of gardens. I didn't know botany was a big field for racism, apparently. <sighs> Maybe certain plants, flowers, or discriminating or oppressing against other flowers and plants and trees. I don't know. Uh, thus adding the University of Michigan's, uh, thus adding to the University of Michigan's expansive DEI bureaucracy. Oh, wonder what kind of other DEI bureaucracies they have so they can give away a bunch of money to a bunch of people who aren't qualified to probably pick their own nose or scratch their own ass without adult supervision. Uh, the Matai Botanical Gardens and Nicholas Arboretum or M-B-G-N-A, boost extensive grounds, walking trails, and a gift shop, as well as a variety of programming for children and adults. It employs about 40 people, as well as volunteers. It recommitted itself to diversity, equity, and inclusion by developing a strategic plan in the wake of COVID and George Fentanyl Floyd's death. Gardens and Arboretum Director Tony Kalinich stated in a letter that was posted online. Okay, had to check that. Something else, this other link. Not worth getting into right now, but that can be saved for later. Back to the the botany insanity. Uh, MBGNA is committed to catalyzing equity and justice and will continue to reckon with itself and the history of living collections to do so. This strategic plan is our roadmap for how that commitment is turned into action, how MBGNA will continue to thoroughly examine and combat its participation in systemic injustices, and how we will co-create uh, new ways forward with historically excluded communities through the years ahead. I bet the communities that have been excluded are probably happy. They probably won't be interested in your BS. Uh, the efforts toward DEI in the gardens dates back to at least 2016. However, as revealed by the pair of documents from 2020 and 2022, according to the 2022 documents, a DEI plan was launched in 2016 to facilitate, quote, efforts of internal learning, reflection, and action. That part always gets me. As well as outreach and the development of new relationships and community-based projects. Also known as complete bullshit. Some of the DEI goals listed in a 2020 document include increased employer participation in DEI activities. Also known as brainwashing. Increased staff feelings of psychological safety. Do you feel psychologically safe today? Employee, we can get you some help. We're a very woke botanical garden, you know. Our plants never sleep. They're so woke. Uh, let me see. Psychological safety. I don't have psychological safety when I'm reading about stupid crap like this. No one's safe psychologically from this type of stupidity. And also a, a, a reduction in complaints regarding bias and other related matters. I got to think that if you have a botanical garden, 700 acres, I believe it said, 
if you have these botanical gardens, anybody complaining about bias or racism or thisism or thatism probably is crazy and can be ignored because they're in freaking botanical gardens. Plants, trees. <sighs> scam. This is a scam. And these universities spend all kind of money on scams. That's why they charge you so much for your worthless degree in uh, the intersection of animal husbandry and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder in uh, feminine oak trees or something. Whatever garbage they got coming this week. Uh, Let me see. Some of the DEI goals. I'm sorry, wrong place. These DEI efforts also include several changes in how personnel are recruited, hired, and retrained, such as attempting to recruit for more diverse communities because it's better what you look like, not what you are, uh, deprioritizing graduate degrees when hiring staff and offering higher wages. As for the relatively new DEI manager, Lopez Espinosa's online bio page, this is going to be fun, states that she likes tending plants okay you botanical garden you'd probably be happy there and list the cola del burro as her favorite she holds a master's in education from the university of michigan with concentrations on diversity and social justice in other words she's a hack and an agitator and generally speaking a pain in everyone's ass she might as well just change her name to hemorrhoid she also previously worked as the equity audit co-lead. Co-lead, that's big time, baby. I'm the co-lead. You may be the lead, but I'm the co-lead. So step on that. Uh, for the Edward Ginsburg Center at the University of Michigan, where she developed a justice-centered evaluation framework for how the center furthers equitable partnerships between communities and the University of Michigan, I'm not sure what that means. You're not sure what that means. These people won't know what it means, except they're getting paid way too much money for screwing up everything they touch. Uh, Lopez Espinosa also served as a consultant for the President's Alliance for Higher Education and Immigration, advocating for legislation to increase access to higher education for undocumented DACA, DACA, refugee, and TPS, that's Temporary project, Protected Status, students. Also people with warts on their left hands. The effectiveness of eight years of DEI in the gardens, however, are questionable as according to 2017 and 2021 surveys cited in the 2022 document, the MBGNA staff, despite largely perceiving the organiz- organization to be non-racist and non-homophobic, also, to some degree, find the MBGNA climate to be individualistic and competitive, homogenous, sexist, and ageist. The College Fix reached out to both Lopez Espinosa and Kulinik this month to ask how the Gardens and Arbitorium are sexist, racist, and ageist. It's those damn oak trees they got. Biggest bastards you ever met. The Fix also asked Lopez Espinosa what she has done since taking her position as the DEI manager. Uh, probably nothing. Probably eating tacos. That's about it. 
Uh, well, I've raised enough uh, equity and inclusion and diversity, and I just basically come up with a bunch of stupid ideas that'll never work, and I collect my check and I eat tacos. That's it. Espinoza said, it is important that the DEI manager understands community and visitor experiences from the lens of accessibility. That always gets me to the accessibility, knowledge creation, and storytelling. Oh, God, I told myself I wouldn't cry. As a university department, she added, it is critical to embed DEI within the infrastructure, such as policies and practices and culture. In other words, you're into brainwashing people. We are an ecosystem, stated Lopez Espinosa, and it is important that we recognize the role that everyone has in flourishing an environment that values diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and justice. In other words, she's making money off carrying the card of communism in all its absurdities and inconsistencies. As for what she hoped to bring to MBGNA, Lopez Espinosa said she was excited to be able to weave DEI into all of our areas from an internal to external projects. I am looking forward to critically analyzing the organization to improve our accessibility and foster endearing sustainable relationships within a variety of community organizations and uh, Anisha Beg communities. God help us. The lunatics, my friends, have taken over. This is Doug Hagen for the Daily Gator blog. I am done, my friends. Sorry about going over, but I mean, botanical gardens and racism and DEI. How can I stay away from that? I just can't quit it. I just can't quit it. God bless you, my friends. Three rules of the blog. Please remember them and apply them to your lives. Go Gators. God bless America. And if you're left, you just ain't right. I will talk to you tomorrow. Be good to each other. Be good, be good, be fair. And stay away from botanical gardens because racism and equity, oh my God. Talk to y'all tomorrow, kids.